the King's Baptist Bible College Old Testament first survey, lesson two, or sorry, part two, lesson eight. And uh, we're going over Jeremiah and Lamentations tonight. And the, uh, just the, if you want to look up here, it gives you an idea of what was going on in the time of Jeremiah. You see his ministry, 627 to uh, 575. And uh, he wrote, uh, he goes in a little bit through the, the, the end of the captivity. He is, what is he called in the Bible? He's, or what is, what is he known as? The weeping prophet, correct? Yeah. Well, imagine he is the last prophetic messenger being sent to Judah before they go into captivity. So his heart was breaking. I, and I mentioned, I think in the uh, one class, I, or I can't remember if it was a class or in church, but you know, he had a burden for his people. If you have no burden, you're not going to have any, you're not going to do much for God. Uh, you need to have a burden of something, whether it's to, you know, you know, I tell people, find what you know God wants you to do, that God gives you a burden for and do it, instead of, oh, I can't do anything, you know. I mean, sir, I, I, I had a, a pastor friend of mine today, said, Barry, what do you think your spiritual gift is? I said, well, uh, I was an EMT, and so some people think, you have the gift of mercy. I said, no, I have the gift of help. I said, I could be, I remember one of my friends did something stupid, and I said, you deserve that, <laughs> you know. But I help, I help, you know, I help splint his arm, you know, but... <laughs> I, I, but I, I don't, you know, and my wife and I, when we were having our spiritual gift test before we got married, mercy was her highest gift, and that was my lowest gift. <laughs> so, yeah, so just because I was an EMT, a lot of people said, well, you, oh, you were, you were, you have the gift of mercy. I said, no, mine's a gift of help. So I like helping people, doing things. And uh, find, find what your burden is. Find out what God would want you to do. And explore, you know. Say, hey, I don't know if I can do this. And you find out, hey, I love it. Like, you know, Pastor, how often does he mention that he didn't really like speaking so much in front of people? And I know a lot of pastors said that same thing. That then they find out, now I can't help not do it. And we're going to look at Jeremiah here. We see that he was in through the captivity. And his, his, the book of Lamentations he wrote was... Uh, a year right after Babylonian captivity. So he lived through the battle, he lived into the Babylonian captivity. He started his ministry with Josiah, and Josiah was 640 to 609. And if you look at uh, Jeremiah verses 1, chapter 1, verses 2, let me read it to you. In whom the, the word of the Lord in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. So when did Jeremiah minister? He said he ministered into the 13th year of Josiah. So if you just subtract 13 from Josiah, that shows he started his ministry. You see the top? 627. So we know he went all the way through Babylonian captivity, or sorry, into the last uh, captivity where they took, destroyed Jerusalem. And we're going to see how some of his quote-unquote friends... He said, stay there and obey the Babylonians and listen to them. Well, they killed the one governor who was trying to listen to the Babylonians that they put in charge. And then they killed the other one. And then they took him and took him to Egypt, where, as far as we know, he passed away in Egypt. And we have no more record of his ministry after he was taken to Egypt. So, um, 
And so we see Josiah, 640. So he, he went through five, uh, the last five kings of Judah. So these are not the kings you're going to learn next week, or uh, the 23rd. But if, when you look at it, you'll see, hey, these are the kings of Judah uh, that uh, Jeremiah ministered. And Zedekiah is the very last one. And what, anybody, can anybody just happen to know any trivia about Zedekiah? What happened to him? Well, blinded, so we, we, we don't know whether he got poked out or burned out or what. But yeah, and he kept telling Jeremiah to, to prophesy for him and tell him what God wants him to do. But then Jeremiah told him and he, he wanted to do it anyway because he was afraid of the people. So, and what did he finally do? He tried to break through and take off, but the Babylonians caught him, him and his family, and, and I imagine some of the other guards and ones that went with him, but they took him, killed his uh, children and their sons in front of him, and then blinded him. So the last thing he saw was his uh, children dying. And then they blinded him and took him captive to Babylon. Uh, just to give you a little background of Assyria. We, we, we've been reading a lot about Assyria, learning about Assyria. We learned about it last week. But this gives you basically the timeline of Assyria. Now, I don't like... I copied this off of, uh, I forget where I copied it off of, but they do BCE, you know, before Common Era, but I, I like to keep it before Christ, you know. But that, I, that's what I, they say there was error in the dating, and of course we know that zero isn't probably really zero, but I'm going to stick with BC when I say it. <laughs> but we see that the Pegapalaza III, who uh, restructured the government, and he was the, really the first Assyrian king that fixed up a standing military. Lots of times it was like, okay, I'm the king, you're my subjects. Hey, Chris, uh, we're gonna fight a war. Come on off your farm and come and help me. You know, Matt, same thing, da da da. And so what they didn't really have a standing army. Assyria was really the first ones who started a standing army. Okay guys, uh, some of the, your kids here, they're gonna be my soldiers. Uh, you can stay work on your farm, but I'm gonna attack you. Or, but we're going to also take the booty and spoils from the countries we take over. So, so they were really the first military ones. If you ever just happen to be doing any history research, uh, there was a period called the Bronze Age Collapse. And that happened to the Assyrians, the Egyptians, and the Philistines, well, the Sea People they call them, which is where the Philistines came from. The Sea People attacked the Middle East, Egypt. They overthrew some of the Canaanites and people, but they were never able to overthrow the Egyptians and the, uh, uh, the Assyrians. And the Assyrians came back out more powerful later. But that's where the Philistines came from that settled along the coast. Remember when we did Abraham? He talked to uh, the Philistines. Remember Abimelech? Uh, uh, that was probably when the Philistines were first coming in to... Uh, the promised land. And they weren't a major power then. They were probably just big tribes suddenly, sort of like the Vikings did when they first came in and later they came back to try to conquer the area. So you see you know, Babylon, the Babylonian uh, Babylon is in 729 is occupied by the Assyrians. Now remember Josiah 740, uh, 640. So that's about 100 years. So you see some of the kings. Shalmazar, Sargon, uh, 
what happened in that time frame? Anybody know? 722 to 705? What happened What happened in the Bible that we know of? I'll give you a hint. Where were they? 721? 721. That's when Israel, the northern kingdom, was taken captive. So it was during the time of that time when they became uh, underneath Sargon, where uh, he defeated the Israelite, the northern kingdom, took them into captivity, dispersed them around the country and stuff. And then what do we see? Sennacherib. What do we know about Sennacherib? 605. He's the one that came in with Hezekiah's time. So when you're looking at Sennacherib, think Hezekiah. He moved the capital to Nineveh. Now they had different cities. Asher was the capital before. But he's the one that moved the capital to Nineveh. And he's also the one who uh, was attacking Lachish, and remember his general, or one leader, Rabshakeh, came in and started threatening uh, uh, Jerusalem. He said, none of the other countries are able to stop us. And what happened? Hezekiah prayed. He, he said, hey, take this letter to Isaiah. And so that you think that Isaiah fits in there right at that time frame. And he said, hey, he's not even going to shoot an arrow in here. He woke up in the morning, 185 thousand people died. That would hurt an army, I think. <laughs> and you notice, it was after this that Assyria started depleting as a nation. You know, uh, Sargon was probably their peak when they had the strongest military and everything. Sargon was still strong, but it, you can see where uh, it's starting to fall. Ashurhaddon, he, he tried to expand a little bit, but in 676 you had the Scythians and the uh, Manians, and you had other people you just get over here. You had the Egypt was conquered, so now Assyria is trying to control a bigger area. Uh, Ashurbanipal, he was the probably the last strong king in 627, right? So what do we see there? 627. That's Josiah's time, right? And and Jeremiah's time. And then they had the war between the Assyri uh, with Elamites and some other ones. Different countries started revolting against them in Babylon. Finally, we see down to the uh, end, 605 to 549, Babylon rules Assyria. So they took it, took it over in 612, defeated Nineveh. And remember I mentioned about how the, the uh, Tigers over flooded and wiped out part of the walls and they were able to pour in the city and they weren't even ready for it. And again, I, I just mentioned some of the massive walls of the Assyrians. And they had some walls 100 feet high at places. And, and they could ride three chariots of breast in it. So they thought, and they had, they had a 60 mile radius, so basically 19 miles in diameter. They lived in there. And they thought, huh, nobody can get us. And if it wasn't for flood, they, they might, you know, because the Babylonians and Medes had sieged them for three years and they still hadn't been able to get in. And they were still doing fine. They were partying, sort of like a, a Babylon, Babylonians did when the Persians <laughs> came in there. And again, here are some of the Cimmerans uh, and the Scythians and some of the other tribes. They were, if you think of Gog and Magog in the book of Revelation, this is where these people are coming from. And they believe, like some of the uh, uh, Scythians and Cimmerans are also some tribes from the Jephthah's line of Noah's sons that were living in southern Russia and came across the Baltic uh, 
uh, the Baltic area and came in and attacked the Assyrians, the Babylonians. Well, they didn't attack the Babylonians, but Babylon was a puppet government underneath the Assyrians. But when they came in and started attacking the Assyrians, okay, they're weak. Hey, you Medes, you Persians, uh, you Chaldeans, come on, join us, join us. And they attacked, and of course, when Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon then, uh, got power, he took over them all. Okay, we had a treaty, but hey, I'm in power now, you're going to serve me now. <laughs> and that's what they did back then, a lot of them. They would fight together for a while, and then if somebody thought they had the upper hand, they would take it and make them subject to them. So here's just a, a few outlines of Jeremiah. We see, uh, we see down here at the, at the very bottom, it says six messages to his contemporaries, uh, chapter 1 through 20. Now remember, Jeremiah reigned for, uh, uh, ministered for about 40 years. So Jeremiah was, it's not really in chronological order, the chapters. So think of, remember his, his minister, Baruch? Uh, remember, he took a, a letter, took a, Jeremiah's prophecy to uh, King Jehoiakim. Uh, he was the one who took the penknife and cut up Jeremiah's scroll. And what did God tell Jeremiah? Just write it again. And he added a few more things to it. He wrote it again, and he said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do more things now to, to Judah." And the King would remember the King said he was sitting in this uh, a winter house. So he's probably down in Jericho area because it's warmer down there, down closer to the Dead Sea. It's you know fairly warm year-round down there. So he, he had a palace down there. Herod had a palace down there near Jericho. And when you're reading the Bible, like the New Testament, remember the uh, the, length, the uh, uh, blind man. Uh, one gospel says that he met uh, 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 Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus coming out of Jericho. Another one said he was going into Jericho. Well, there were, during Herod's time, Herod built another Jericho right close to the old Jericho, which was his business center. So, archaeology shows there was two Jerichos. So, both Gospels were right. He was going from, now I don't know which one he was going to, whether he was leaving the business uh, Jericho and going into the residential Jericho or vice versa, but... He said, look, there's a mistake in the Bible. Well, no, no, there isn't. <laughs> it, they were both right. He was leaving one Jericho and going into another Jericho. So, so and we'll see Jeremiah, Brute probably collected Jeremiah's sermons over those 40 years. Now, could you imagine trying to sink pastor's sermons all together if he preached for 40-some years? So, I, I have one guy who actually tried to do that, but we see here, we see... Uh, See that middle one up there? That's uh, Jehoiakim. Uh, he's the one that's cutting it up with a penknife. I remember my pastor back in Pennsylvania said, do you know there's a penknife in the Bible? And we think penknives are modern. Well, the Bible says he cut it up with the scroll up with the penknife. So there's, sometimes there's things you, like the word science is in the Bible. It talks about the so-called science. So sometimes when you read through the Bible, you. You know, you might have read it, read it several times in your life, and then all of a sudden you read something, and oh, wait a minute, I never noticed that before. <laughs> so it just sort of jumps out to you. So they go through the lamentations, the, the epilogues, and the different prophecies to the nation. You have some of the other ones, like this, this writer, this author, 
he broke it down basically into two books and uh, sort of supplemented it, as he said. He goes, his public sermons, his personal experience, his uh, certainty of captivity, the book of consolation. So he would say, okay, it, you are going to go into captivity, but then he tries to encourage him. Remember, who read Jeremiah and was encouraged to go into captivity? What prophet that we're going to be reading soon? Starts with a D. Daniel. Daniel. He, he, he realized that there was 70 years, the Bible talks in Daniel, said that he realized the captivity was going to be 70 years. So he knew captivity by the Babylonians was coming over soon. Now he didn't know it was going to be from the first captivity, the second captivity, and third captivity. Remember they were taking 605, 597, and 586? So he didn't know which the 70 years was coming from, because Jeremiah didn't explain that. You know, it's, oh, it's going to start in your captivity, Daniel. Well, he wasn't sure, but he knew that God said, hey, we are going to be able to return to. And I would imagine when Cyrus became uh, king, you know, the Persian king, when he took over Babylon, and remember, he, wasn't he, uh, Daniel a, a high official under Darius, the, a, a sub-king to Cyrus? I imagine Daniel may have even showed that prophecy, said, hey, this, this, is, this is almost 100 years old. And it talks about you. And it says 70 years that uh, the God of heaven was going to let our people return. And I imagine, Cyrus, that sounds good to me. You can go back. <laughs> I mean, see, look here in Isaiah, 150 years before that. He calls you by name. Could you imagine how that would have impressed a Gentile pagan king, what we would think. Wow. And you know, most of them believed in some type of God. And he said, Wow, Daniel's God. I mean, Daniel's God. Or your people's God. I mean, that's some God that he called me by name. Told me I was gonna be the ruler. And that I was a shepherd, and he was. He was a shepherd when he was a boy. He was supposed to be killed, but it never went through. And, he, he was raised by a, a herdsman, a shepherd. And God called him, said, Cyrus, my shepherd. Could you imagine how that struck Cyrus when he read that? And why he said, Daniel, your God's the God. Darius, your God's the God, you know. Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel, your God's the God, you know. So, and you see how they, they just give it? And again, there's other, you know, people break it down so it's, it's always nice to look at different outlines. If you have to just go on uh, Google or whatever, just put down uh, Jeremiah outline. And you can bring up all kinds of outline. And typically, unless you happen to get on a, you know, some sites, you know, so that's why if you look at a hundred of them and almost all of them say the same thing, that's probably the basic thing. Now you can read it yourself and determine what you think it is. And there are different outlines, like Chris might notice something different than Matt. And he, it might just struck him like that. And I heard one pastor that used to say, he said, you know, you take the flavor, the water takes the flavor the soil goes through. So, Matt, your life experience, you have certain things that triggers you because of what you've been in through life. Chris, the same thing. Ladies, the same way. You have certain things that where if Kim, you heard something, and everybody else might be, you know, it's like, you know, nobody else gets it. 
Hmm. You know, because we all we all are different. We all have different backgrounds, and certain things, like you know, I, if if I, somebody said, "Hey, Barry, I want to take you out to a fish a fish place," I'm not crazy about fish. You know, so I I'm like, "Wow, yeah." And you say, "Barry, I'm going to take you out for uh, baby back rib." <laughs> I like baby back rib. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, and my wife. She's not a super big meter. She likes fish better than I do, but she likes a lot of fruits and vegetables. I like fruit and vegetables, but that will be her main diet. Most guys, they're going to eat as much meat as they can. Is that right, Kim? Well, I said most guys. You know, they, you know, they're exceptions too. Like we went, I went down there with a group uh, uh, with Camps Crusade when I was at Penn State. We went down to Daytona Beach, and we were down there witnessing on the beach going to international bike races. And one day we went to Disney World and we were there and everybody wanted to go eat fish. And I, well, I didn't really care for it, but I figured I'd go with the group. There was like a dozen of us or so. And we go into the fish place and I, I start looking at the menu and up there I see, this is a fish place, right? Down in Disney World, I see hamburgers and fries. So I just ordered that right away. And everybody else is like, looking at the menu, trying to figure out what they want, and nobody had ordered up at this point. I got mine fairly quick, and it looked so good that probably nine of those guys wanted ordered the hamburgers and fries in the fish place. So, you know, so it's all different. Here's one guy. If you look at these chapters, now, I don't know if you can read it really well, but he gives you the time frame breakdown of what chapters, basically, at least what he thinks, is like... You see here in Josiah chapters one through six, Jehoiahaz chapters seven through ten, back up to Josiah eleven through twelve, down to Jehoiakim Chin chapter thirteen, back up to Jehoiahaz fourteen through twenty, and you see how it jumps around. And he he gives you basically what's happening. So it's not in a chronological order. If it was, it would go from here straight down. So he, he tried to write. Basically, when all these things were happening, and he believed, you know, the last chapter, probably right before Jeremiah's death, may have been written there. You had the two governors, you had uh, Gilead, uh, Gilead uh, it was the governor that was put in the place by Nebuchadnezzar after he took Zedekiah captive, made him the governor, and uh, he was assassinated, and they put Johanan. If you remember reading, you're reading Johanan was made a governor after that, and he was killed. <laughs> So then they took Jeremiah, took him to Egypt. So that's just what one person. So you see the, the the first captivity, the second captivity, and then the final captivity. So what do we know about Jeremiah? His name basically means Jehovah will exalt. And uh, could you imagine Jeremiah? He he was not excited. He was not excited about having to preach. A doom and gloom message to his people. Listen to what it says in chapter 1 here. I'm going to read a few verses. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkel, of the priests of, uh, uh, that were in Anathal in the land of Benjamin. So Anathal, is, they believe, is about three or four miles away north of Jerusalem in the territory of Benjamin. So he was of a family of a priest. Now, uh, Chris, if you were born back then, if your dad's a priest, guess what you're going to be typically? You're going to be a priest. You know, it's heredity, so you, you, you got all the trappings, you had the respect, and a priest was from the tribe 
from the line of Aaron, so that means you're related to Aaron. Matt, if you were a Levite, that meant you were related to one of the other uh, uh, tribes, from the tribe of Levite, but not Aaron. So you had a, the priesthood was all from the line of Aaron, and he had multiple sons, so he had, you had the high priest, the, the one line, and you had the other priests who served around the country. Remember, they had priests and Levites in the different cities, like, you know, that, you know, like the cities of refuge where somebody could flee to, and the priests and the Levites would usually do the judging, so they were like the court officials almost, too. And he was a priest. And most people think he was probably around 19 or 20 when he was called by God, so a priest didn't usually start their ministry until they were 30, so he would have been preparing for the priesthood probably most of his life growing up. Okay, son, this is what you do. This is how you sacrifice animals. This is how you do this. This is how you interpret the Torah. This is what you do. Da, 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 da. And what did God tell him? To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. So he started his ministry uh, when, on the 13th reign of Josiah, the last good king. So he was like, he started off with a, with a pretty good hand, right? It, it, but it didn't last. Josiah did all these reforms, but sometimes if, if I'm your boss, you might not agree with me on things, but typically you comply, right? <laughs> and uh, after I, I leave the company or whatever, I'm glad he's out of here. <laughs> so I, I, that guy was crazy, whatever, you know. And Josiah tried to do all these reforms, and it was just temporary. Reforms don't always last. So when you see revival, sometimes some of that could be outwardly, not inwardly. And that's why God had to write his law on our hearts, as opposed to on tables of stone. Because, yeah, the Jews tried to follow the tables of stone, but their heart wasn't in it. And Christ pointed that out multiple times, right? Well, let's go down a little further. Then the word of the Lord, uh, then, uh, verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I... Formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So what, is he, what do we have here? Jeremiah already has his call. He said, I ordained you to be a prophet. And he says, I knew thee before thou camest forth out of the womb. So, what, listen to what Jeremiah says first. Verse 6, let's skip down there. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Well, what happens? God tells us to do something, we start making excuses. What did Moses say? God, but I can't speak well. What did Isaiah? I'm too sinful. Jeremiah, I'm just a child, Lord. We don't, when God calls us to do something, especially hard things like this, we're not always eager and excited about doing it. I mean, look at Jonah. Was he eager about obeying God? He was a prophet already, right? He was already ministering. We saw that he prophesied to uh, Jeroboam II, right? But when God told him to go to Nineveh, I'm out of here. I'm going to take a Mediterranean cruise, Lord. He said, you, you can just go ahead and judge the Ninevites. And what does he say, verse 6? I'm just a child. And as a priest... He was. He wasn't even ready for the priesthood. 30 is when they would officially take their official duty, and they would have been in training before that. And he said, Lord, I'm just a child. I, 
I can't do this. I, I, we don't, I don't have enough experience, Lord. But what do we see there? Lord said, I ordained you. So the Lord already called him. He said, I knew thee, in verse 5, I knew, I knew thee, I formed thee in the belly. So he already gave Jeremiah all the abilities that he would need to do the job. And he said, and, and before thee came forth out of the womb, and I sanctified thee and ordained thee. So I already set you apart to do a job. So he gave Jeremiah all the preparations that he needs. Uh, the young preacher last night from, you know, missionary, Benjamin, he said, you know, hey, this is our guidebook, the Bible, right? We have, Bible, the Bible says we have everything we need for life and godliness right here in front of us. Yeah, I, I, I can use some, you know, uh, if, I'm a, if I'm an accountant, I, I, I'll use a math book, I'll use calculators, but to live a godly life in a wicked and cursed world, we have everything we need right here. His word. It just sometimes sometimes we just don't always care what God's word says, right? We don't. I mean, can you imagine when He says it? Listen, to what it says, verse seven. But the Lord said unto uh, said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go. To, you shall go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. He said, I'm young, I can't do this. Remember with, 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 with Isaiah? You know, and a lot of the prophets, he touches them, he empowers them and he said, yeah, you can do this. You can do this. And he says, don't be afraid of them. And what do we know? Jeremiah was thrown in a slime pit, you know, an old cistern. And imagine, he does not have bathroom facilities down there. So he's in his muck and mire of, of his own human waste, staying down there. And he, he thought he was going to die. He probably would have if uh, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch, there was an Ethiopian eunuch back here, said, hey, King, he said, you can't do this to him. He's a prophet. And they wrapped the cloth around him and pulled him out and saved him from dying. And God, God knew. He, you know, I, could, I think I could very well be afraid of living in a situation like that, you know, <laughs> throwing you in a pit, you know. But God said, hey, they're not going to win. You are going to succeed. They're not going to listen to you, but they're not going to be able to kill you because you're my servant, and you're not done till I say you're done. And we were sort of talking about that, so, you know, when the Lord calls us home, you might be healthy as a, healthy as a horse, but you could get run over by a truck on the way home tonight, you know. God, God knows the time. We don't, you know, sometimes we probably help us get there quicker than what we might otherwise by how we live. People do stupid things. But he was a prophet. Uh, he said, you know, he, he was trying to get the people to repent. He started off with Jer uh, Josiah. He was trying to get them to repent. Uh, and it was a struggle in his life. You know, what did Christ say? He said, you, you, you killed the prophet. You say, hey, we are... Uh, we aren't like that. I said, well, what did your fathers do? They threw Jeremiah in a pit. Uh, they stoned, they cut Isaiah in half. I mean, how many prophets did they kill? I mean, Jezebel, if she had had her way, she would have, she would have done some uh, uh, stuff to Elijah, wouldn't she? But God, and let's see what his personal life is. He, he was a priest, or he would have been a priest. I mean, he still had the priesthood. Uh, he, he was the son of Hilkiah. 
and lived in Athol, about three, three, four miles north, north of Jerusalem. So he was really close to the capital city. And being a priest, he probably, you know, I mean, what happens when somebody important comes in? You know, priests were well respected typically, outwardly anyway. But God told him to be unmarried. Don't get married because all the trouble is coming. And just think of it. Jeremiah didn't have somebody, you know, Chris, you know, Chris, you have a hard day? You go home to your wife. You have a hard day? You go home to your husband. You have that help. You have that relief. You go home to Michelle. You know, he had nobody to go to. He said, hey, don't get married. The life you're living is going to live is going to be a hard life. You're going to be persecuted. And I mean, can you imagine, you know, if I said, Chris, you know, I you know, like my daughter, she's a missionary in Honduras. She's going to be going to Tegucigalpa in Honduras. That is the murder capital of the world. Now, you can imagine how my wife probably felt <laughs> when she heard that. She was, you know, you want your child to do God's will, but you don't want them to get killed either. You want them, you, you want them to be safe. You want, you know, you pray God's protection over them. Uh, but I could get killed here. Somebody could go crazy and shoot me. That little 12-year-old girl that was shot. I mean, uh, you know, just living in America, there's no guarantee for safety. I mean, I imagine one day preachers will have to worry about preaching against sodomy and all the sin out there. That they'll, they could face going to jail. North Korea, the most persecuted country in the world, by according to uh, uh, Persecution Project or whatever. And they said they're the most persecuted country in the world, North Korea. Not, not the Muslim country, but the Korean uh, communist country. He said he didn't, he didn't want to go do what God said. He protested for some job. But God assured him, said, I, I knew you. He said, I sanctified you. You're going to be able to do this job. He attempts to find, the Bible says, he, you know, he attempts to find an honest man in Jerusalem. This is what Jeremiah 5 1. Run, and, run ye uh, to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem and see now and know. Now remember that one guy said the first 10 chapters was under King Josiah. So Jeremiah is saying, if that guy's right, I didn't research what he, he the chapters, how he put them up. But if he's right, he, he's saying this during the time of Josiah, the, one of the last and one of the best kings of Judah. He said, I can't find it. I can't, I can't find an honest man. Listen, seek you now, no, and seek in the broad places there if he can find a man, if there be any that execute judgment that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon him. He said, if you can go out it's like sort of like you know, Abraham with Sodom said, "Hey, if, if I if I find ten righteous, I'll, I'll spare the city." God's telling Jeremiah, "said Hey, you find one, you know, I'll spare it." You know, a lot of them are just doing it outwardly. You know, uh, and he said, "You know," and he didn't bring judgment during Josiah's time, but they kept getting worse and worse and worse, and uh, just turning from God. Uh, there's a verse in the uh, verse in there in Jeremiah. I'm not sure what chapter, but it talked about said so they're like a horse that waketh up and neigheth in the morning after their neighbor's wife. That was probably the time of Jehoiakim. He was known to have sexual relationships with his mother, his sisters, and if he liked somebody, if one of his officials come in and he liked his wife, he would take. 
So he may have been writing that chapter during the time of Jehoiakim's uh, reign as king, because he was known to take other people's wives. You know, so I mean, there is a prophetic word in Jeremiah. There's a near prophetic, but there's also preaching to what's happening on the day. I mean, I'm sure if something out there happened dramatic, pastor might preach about it or speak about it in a sermon. I mean, you know, 9-11, how, how, how long did, that was a topic for a long time there, wasn't it? You know, I mean, for months and months and years, I mean, it affected America forever. COVID. <laughs> I mean, we'll probably never go back to exactly like we were. You know. So he was looking for a, a, a good man. He pleaded with Judah to return to God. Go, chapter 3. Go and proclaim these words towards the north and say, uh, Return thou back to leading Israel. He said, Hey, remember Israel, even though they were taken in captivity, there were some Israel. He said, Hey, they didn't listen. Uh, saying that I will not. I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. Uh, uh, fall upon you, uh, for I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will keep you. So another, he's saying, "Hey, if you repent, I won't. I won't let my anger fall upon you." But what do we know? They didn't repent. They forgot God. Only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God and hast scattered thy ways to the stranger under every green tree. So, what did God say? You need to confess. You need to truly repent and say, I did it. We see Saul, right? Did Saul ever repent? Oh, I did it, but he, he never really repented. What did David do? When Nathan confronted him, I, I sinned. And he, he said, against God and God only have I sinned. Now, he sinned against Uriah, Bathsheba, and all those others, but he knew his sin ultimately was against the Lord. And what did God do? He kept his kingdom going, he even gave him the, the promise of an everlasting covenant that one of his descendants would always sit upon the throne. So, but David confessed it. So when we come, it's not like, oh, I'm better than you, that's why God saved me. No, I confessed to God and said, hey God, just like when he had Adam, where art thou? You know, what did you do? God wants a confession. He wants you to say, God, I agree with what you say. Remember uh, last week what we learned about uh, from, uh, which one was it? Uh, Habakkuk. He said, you know, he, he, he was arguing against God. And what did he say in chapter 2, chapter 3? I can't remember which chapter. He said, I'm going to stand on the tower and wait to see what God has to say when I'm rebuked. He knew God was right. He didn't know what God was going to tell him, but he knew whatever it was, God was right. So, that's what God wants. You know, he, he wants a repentant heart. He wants a confession. Like, you know, Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So, he wants confession, right? He fearlessly denounced Judah's sin and, and is persecuted by him. I mean, he was, they wanted to kill him. They, he, he was thrown in the muck and mire. Listen to what said his family persecuted him. Jeremiah 12.6 For even thy brethren in the house of thine fathers, even they had dealt treacherous with thee, yea, they had called a multitude after thee, believe them not, though they speak fair words unto thee. So even his own family, now whether it's his immediate family, or just like, you know, cousins, you know, you get a lot of cousins, uh, 
they don't always want to believe. I mean, I, I would imagine that during those days, he may have had a lot of other relatives around. But who to say, just knowing his family, right? He, we know there was some godly line, Methuselah and some of the other ones, but I imagine that he had a lot of cousins that died in the uh, flood. That, that wasn't the only line of children coming through. You know, uh, his hometown, where he's Anathal, therefore thus saith the Lord, the men of Anathal, that, that seek my life, saying, prophesy not in the name of the Lord, that thou die not by our hands. So stop preaching, and we won't kill you. Stop preaching, and, and he had that fire in his bosom, didn't he? The fire in his bones, and a, a, a fire in his speech. Uh, and God didn't touch his mouth, he didn't use it. Uh, and Jeremiah, Daniel was encouraged by it years later. And the religious world. Now, Hashar, the son of Imlar, the priest. Now, remember, Jeremiah's from the priestly line. Uh, they believe this Hashar in verse chapter 20. He was probably like the, the, uh, like the priest. You remember Christ had, the, you know, the, the uh, 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 the priests were sent, the uh, guards were sent, the priests priestly guards to take him to Caiaphas' house. Those are probably the priestly guards, not the Romans, that came and took Christ in the, in the garden. So he was probably a uh, one of the temple police, basically. And this is what it says. And now Pastor, the son of Imlar, the priest, who was also chief governor of the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Then Pastor smote Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in, in the high gate of Benjamin, and uh, put him in, 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 which was by the house of the Lord. And it came to pass on the morrow that Pascar brought forth Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then said Jeremiah unto him, The Lord hath not called thy name Pasher, but Magaram Shifti. That means terror on every side. So it says, you know, you're going to see what's happening. And here's what, here's what, uh, what, what they said. It says, Imlar was probably the chief deputy chief priest of the temple. That, you know, said apparently he was enraged by Jeremiah's prophecy, and he was probably beaten with the forty strikes, save one. So that's what they assumed that he probably beat Jeremiah thirty-nine times. Now they didn't want to break the law, so they they usually skipped the last slap. But the law said you could be whipped forty times because they were worried that if you went longer, that would kill you. And so they probably stopped at 39. And they think that Jeremiah was probably whipped 39 lashes and put in the stock overnight. That doesn't sound like uh, the ideal uh, preaching territory, does it? <laughs> uh, and then upon the being free that morning, he went. And, and that's when he said, after he was released, he said, you're going to be terror on every side, terror on your side. That's what God's calling you. So you're going to see that terror come. And he probably was killed during the Babylonian captivity, is my guess. Oh, just a little bit about Jeremiah also. Even though Isaiah has more chapters, Jeremiah has more words. And Jeremiah is, most of Jeremiah is written, written in the Hebrew in a poetic form. So it would make it easy to remember. You know how if you do something in poetry or songs, and like, if I said, uh, Tim, do the ABCs. 
So you start singing it, right? You don't go A, B, C, right? You go A, B, C, you sing it. So how easy it is for it help you to remember it when you put it in a form of po poetry, roses red, violets are blue, you know, type thing. So they make it easier to remember. I, I, I just thought about that. They worship the queen in heaven, Thomas, um, and Ishtar. The children gathered wood, and the fathers kindled the fire, and the women knead their dough and made cakes to the queen of heaven. They would do those as offerings. They'd make little cakes, and uh, and that provoked me to anger. But and, but we will certainly do whatsoever thing goes forth out of the out of our mouth to burn incense under the queen of heaven and pour out drink offerings unto her, as we have done. We and our fathers, our kings, and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets. For then we had we plenty of vittles and were well and saw no evil. So Jeremiah, you're telling us to worship God. When we were when we were sacrificing to Thomas and Ishtar and all these false gods, we had plenty to eat. So why can't we just worship them too? We can add another god, right? I mean, that's what the Hindus do nowadays, right? They you know, hey, we can have Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is gone. We'll just put him up on our guard shelf. So, yeah, just have another... Well, the Hindus have thousands and thousands of gods. I don't know how much... They probably millions, is my guess, but they have all kinds of gods over there. A list of Judah's sins. And, and they built the high places of, of Tofu and in the valley to the son of Hinnom to burn their sons and their daughters uh, in the fire, which I commanded them not. And so they actually, down in the valley of Hinnom, they, they sacrificed their children uh, to, the, uh, to Molech and uh, uh, Hamish. So it, to Baal, they would burn their children down there. And so what, do, what did Josiah do when he took, became king? He, he, he destroyed their odors, burnt the priest's bones on the altar down in this valley of Hinnom, outside of Jerusalem. Nowadays, it's a, it's a city park. Valley Hinnom, the city park in Jerusalem. I, 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 I get on there and watch that. Uh, if you ever want to get a good series of what Israel is like, go on the Satellite Bible app, and it'll take you through, like, I think a 12, 13 video series of the topography, the, the area of Jerusalem. They'll take it. So the northern kingdom, they'll show you Judah, Jerusalem, and show you all this wonderful. And it'll it'll show you all these it'll show you all these uh, uh, places they talk about in the Bible. You know they'll show you okay this is where uh, uh, Jonathan and his uh, shield bearer fought the Philistines, and they'll show you the hillside that they climbed up. And they'll so they'll take you. It's, it's satellite Bible Atlas. If I, I'm pretty sure I remember that name right. I actually gave it to Jason so he can look at it before he goes to Israel with his team. So. Uh, you know, he lists their many sins. They murdered their own prophets. And Jesus mentioned that also. In vain have I smitten your children. Uh, they received no correction. Your own sword hath devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. So, you know, it basically saying, I spanked you, but you wouldn't take the correction. You, you just kept in your stubborn, stiff-necked way. You know, I mean, you, you, you spank your child not to hurt him, to spank them, to discipline them, and correct them. Like he learned, oh, don't do that. And that's why you start it young. You don't wait till they're bigger than you to try. <laughs> I have a friend, his son, his son, 
uh, his son was the size of uh, Chase Josh. And, uh, and he was he was almost 13 pounds when he was born. And uh, his dad drives these brownies for uh, 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 UPS. And one day he came by our, our road, and I went out to talk to him. I saw him, hey, Dave. And he said, I said, you know, he has a little daughter, Christina, and then his uh, younger son, Jonathan. And Jonathan was like three, three years, maybe close to four years younger than Christina, but. Two years old, he was bigger than her. He was two and she was five, and he's already bigger than her. Eating McDonald's kitty meal at one and a half. <laughs> he was a big boy. And he wanted, I forget what college he went to, and he wrestled there. And he was, you know, six, nine, and 300 some pounds. So, so yeah, he, he, he said, I stopped putting, Dave, my friend Dave said, I stopped putting him over my lap a long time ago. <laughs> so, you see, he, he warns him about Babylon coming. And of course, remember, who warned uh, the kings about Babylon? Remember, Hezekiah got warned by Isaiah, so what did you show him? So everything. So one day, it's all going to be carried away to Babylon, and the, the, the royal city is going to be eunuchs in the uh, king of Babylon's palace. He said they're going to be surrounded in chapter 4, uh, uh, verses 17 and chapter 6. He said they're going to use their own trees against them. You know, imagine when... Uh, Joshua and them all went into the promised land. And remember when they sent in the spies, what did they sort of compare Canaan to back then? Almost like the Garden of Eden, right? They said, remember they carried all those grapes? It was lush. But if you constantly get your all your uh, vegetation burned or destroyed, they, they took it and cut down the trees for, uh, for siege weapons. Uh, God told the children of Israel only use trees that don't bear fruit. So he, he still wanted to take care of land. You, hey, keep the trees that provide you food. But he said, don't destroy just any tree. But the Romans came in. I mean, uh, I think it was uh, Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain, said that it was it's like a desolate. When he went to visit Israel long ago, he said, it's like, it's like God just took collected 90% of the, something like this, I collected 90% of the stones of the world and dumped them in Israel. <laughs> now they're making it look nicer. They're, they did a lot to bring it back, planting things and all this stuff, but it's not a Garden of Eden, especially when, they, when Israel first went back in their land after World War II. It didn't look like the Garden of Eden, but you can imagine after all that destruction, uh, one preacher said, if you're in the, if you're in the, uh, if you're in the, uh, uh, Intersection, you're bound to get run over once in a while. <laughs> so, and he, he promised about this. He said that he, the corpses would lay in the streets and be feed for the animals, the birds, and the beasts. So they weren't going to even, when the Babylonians came in, they didn't even take time to bury them. They just left them lay where they were. You know, Assyria might have cleaned them up and uh, buried them and settled the land, where the Babylonians, they just took them all back to Babylon. They didn't try to settle in the territory like the Assyrians did in northern Israel. And you have all the evidence of uh, uh, inhabitation where the Assyrians, when they came into northern Israel, where they built cities. So you can find Assyrian pottery, but you don't find that down in Jerusalem area. And of course you don't find the Babylonians much, you know, other than some weapons and things, but they didn't really, they took them all back home and just left Judah, as God said, that they might have their rest. So 
Israel got their 70 years rest because for 490 years they didn't let the land rest like God told them to every Sabbath year. And again, Jeremiah wrote about the 70 years of captivity, which Daniel read. Uh, he weeps over the city. Jeremiah, for my bowels, my bowels, I am pained at my very heart. My heart maketh no, a, a noise in me. In other words, you know, he could, you could hear his inner, you know, his, whether it's his, you know, his intestine, or, 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 and it's just like, Yep, I, I don't know if you have any, have any relatives you witness to, but you talk to them, it's like, how can you do this? I mean, you know, say, hey, I, I kept telling my dad, I said, dad, you know, don't wait too long. I, you know, witness to him at my uh, mother's funeral, my grandmother's funeral, his mom. So I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And he was turned against Christianity because his brother, a Pentecostal pastor, did something that made him say, if that's Christianity, I don't want it. And they, later in life, they got back together, which probably helped, but he may have gotten saved, we're not certain, but my sister said he said he asked God to forgive him the day before he passed away. And I prayed, you know, 25, 30 years for him to get saved after we found out where he was. Well, we were praying for him before that, since I got saved, but I used to want to kill my dad. You know, because he, you know, he left us, my mom left us, my mom came back later, but, you know, and he said, I didn't know if you'd ever want to see me again. He said, he said, you know, and, and of course, we didn't know if he would want to see us when we first met him. And he said he was so happy. And, of course, his wife knew about us, but my stepsisters didn't know about us. So they found out, oh, they got, I got, we got three, we got two older brothers. So, so, yeah, so, but. You know, your heart weeps for him, and it's like, what did you see? And he was weeping for his people. Uh, Jeremiah 9, 1. Oh, that my head were water and my eyes a fountain of tears, uh, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughters of my people. He said, I, I just can't cry anymore. <laughs> he wept. He was called a weeping prophet. So I, I just can't cry anymore. He had, he had a compassion. He had a burden for his people. How many times do we think like that? You know, God wanted to witness. I remember this guy kept witnessing to at work. And so one day I said, okay, I'm going to make a concentrated effort. I talked to him before work started in the break room. And he, you know, he was a foul-mouthed guy, but I still talked to him and tried to witness to him. And he seemed to like to talk to me. Well, I, I got all this material. I got tracks for him to read. I go in there. That next day, he wasn't there. Going, you know, the whole week, uh, he wasn't there. And then I found out later, he, he, I can't remember what it was now, he wound up, got sick and died within a week. And, you know, I, now, whether he got saved before, I mean, I shared the gospel with him, but I was going to make a concentrated effort to try to, and it's like, I don't know. But God doesn't make us responsible for their salvation. He just tells us to tell them. Jeremiah wasn't responsible for them accepting it. was up to them, but he was to do what God told him to do. Uh, he weeped over the captivity. The, remember, he, he saw them go into captivity. He saw, now he may have known Daniel. He may have been, you know, because he was a, 
right near Jerusalem, and Dan Daniel was uh, of the royal seed. He might have known Daniel or knew of Daniel, and he saw Daniel and them go the first time. Ezekiel was a priest, right? He may have been a, a, a cousin to Ezekiel. We don't know. Uh, Ezekiel went in the uh, second captivity, 597. And Ezekiel went in, was taken captive the year he was supposed to be a priest. We're going to do our next next class is what we're going to do Ezekiel. So he was taken in captivity the year he was supposed to become a priest. And God had to take him by the lock of the hair, take him to Jerusalem and show him what was going on in the temple. Say, hey, they're wicked. They're worshiping the gods of heaven. Of course, Jeremiah talks a little bit about that. He threatens to resign in chapter 20. He said, I can't do this, God. I can't do this. Even after he did it for these years, I can't do this. And God said, no, you keep going. He was ordered to buy a field in prison to prove a point. He said, hey, we are coming back here. Now, Jeremiah may have never come back. And I don't know whether he didn't have any children because he wasn't married. But he bought a plot of land off of his uncle just to show him that he had confidence that God was going to keep his promise and bring Israel back to the land after 70 years. He's freed by Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had heard about him. He said, hey, hey this, this preacher, this prophet, is telling us we need to obey you and serve you and listen to the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. And he told his, he told, uh, his, his general, say, hey, Give him freedom. Let him do. If he wants to go, if he wants to go anywhere, let him go. If he wants to come with us, he can. If he wants to stay, he can. If he wants to go anywhere, let him go. So, you know, Nebuchadnezzar heard about him. Saying, oh, hey, that's good. He's telling. He's 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 giving us good press. He's saying, hey, obey the Babylonians. Uh, and he he also helped the appointed governor of Gilead, Yodala, uh, and he also tried to help uh, Johanna. And but. Again, he weeps over the city. Uh, he had his original manuscript. I mentioned that early. Jehoiakim. It was cut up with a penknife in his uh, winter palace. Burned it on the fire. Again, he threatens to resign. He, uh, oh, we did that one. Right? Sorry, I must have had it in the slide. Yeah, he advises Johanan uh, when Gilead was killed. He is carried by force to Egypt in chapter 43. They wouldn't let him stay. They took him by force. He wanted to stay there in Jerusalem. And, you know, probably, you know, I mean, like, was that good or not? Well, we knew that Jerusalem was pretty desolate for those years the Babylonians had taken them captive. So it might have been a good idea. I mean, I don't know. But he continued to preach against sin in chapters 43 and 44 after the captivity. And like I said, he probably died in Egypt. Uh, we don't have any record. Uh, and I didn't look to see what those, those Jewish targums and uh, 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 what some of their writings said about Jeremiah on that, whether he, they think he died there or not. A lot of times I try to pick, read their writings to find out. And I don't take everything at face value because they say many things uh, uh, that aren't match up with what the Bible says. And could some of it be right? It could be. He said, I ordain thee a prophet unto the nations. Again, he ruled under those Josiah, the last saved king of Israel. Jehoiahaz, uh, remember, he only reigned nine months, nine, sorry, 90 days. Uh, he was probably too much like his father. Because remember, Josiah 
what did Josiah do? He went out to attack Pharaoh Necho, right? Josiah sided with the Babylonians. The Egyptians sided with the Assyrians, and they were going to go to help the, the Assyrians fighting against Nebuchadnezzar up in Lake, up in the northern part, in Carchemish, sorry, in Carchemish. And he was headed up there, and Nebuchadnezzar uh, said, hey, don't mess with me. So you can get your time later. He said, God, God told me, and Nico told him, God told me to do this to Josiah. Well, I don't really believe that maybe God told Nico to do it. Now, I could be wrong, but don't always take it when a lost person tells you, hey, this is what God wants me to do. Remember, Rapshika said, hey, God commanded us to do this, to punish you. So remember, Hezekiah destroyed all your idols. He destroyed all your gods. Well, he was destroying the false gods, but he had no idea that. I mean, you ever get it where your, your lost friends can't say, Chris, why do, you want to, why do you want to give your money to this church and spend all your time doing I mean, you could be enjoying your weekend, going to the beach or going to the game or whatever, right? You know, you know like, why do that? You know, they just don't understand. Satan has blinded their eyes, and that's where we try to open their eyes with God's word, try to share it with them, and live a life that they don't have excuses. You know, none, none of us are perfect, but I shouldn't think, oh, that mad, he did this, he did this, he did this, he did this. You know, it's like, and if, if he did, hey, Barry, I flubbed up, I messed up, but he did whatever it might be. <laughs> and we had Jehoiakim, he was a very ungodly king, he's the one that burned the Bible. Uh, of course, Pharaoh Nico deposed Jehoiahaz and put in Jehoiakim. His name was Eliakim, and Pharaoh changed his name to Jehoiakim. And remember I mentioned, if I name somebody, like you guys named your son back here, that gives you sort of authority. You had the authority to name your son. The hospital and said, oh, here's your son's name. <laughs> so you guys get to choose his name. So that gives you, and so when they went and renamed the king, it was like saying, well, we have authority over you. What did Nebuchadnezzar do? He went in saying Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's name. You know, they went and wanted to sing him. Everybody still remembers Daniel's name, but how many people remember what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's name was? You have to look it up. Well, we'll go over that when we get through there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jehoiah Chin, he was, again, another 90-day wonder. He, he only reigned 90 days, and uh, that was Jehoiakim's son, and he was, he, he was taken. And then you had Zedekiah. Zedekiah wasn't Jehoiachin's son. He was Josiah's youngest son. So Josiah had his second, he had his second son, Jehoiahaz, as king. But evidently he was more popular than his older brother. And his older brother was pretty wicked. If you ever go in and research Jehoiakim, he was pretty foul. He's the one that did all that incest and took other people's wives. So he wasn't very popular. Nobody mourned over his death in Jerusalem. At least the Bible says he was not mourned over. Now, he may have had some of his kids mourned over him, I don't know. But sometimes even the kids would kill their fathers. Like in Sennacherib, he was killed by his two sons, right? So then you had Jehoiachin, his son, only reigned 90 days. And he was deposed by Nebuchadnezzar. And Zedekiah, the last king, was put in place. And that was Josiah's youngest son. But yet, then he tried to rebel in 
that's a 586, and you never okay, that's it, I gave you three chances, you know, uh, three strikes you're out. So he came and destroyed the city, took all the temple stuff back to Babylon, and uh, laid waste to it, and that was the end of their captivity, where they were taken to Jerusalem. You see, uh, he prophesied about Nebuchadnezzar, that he was going to come, uh, the great Babylonian Conqueror, you had Gedalia, Babylonian appointed governor of the city. So Nebuchadnezzar made him say, Okay, I want you to rule, but don't mess up. Well, he was evidently doing a pretty good job, and some of the Jews thought he was too pro Babylonian and killed him. And uh, then Johanna succeeded him, and then he was assassinated. So, yeah, you know, if you don't agree with somebody, don't take them in debate, but kill them. <laughs> and that's what these Jews did, and then they, they took Jeremiah to Jerusalem. I ordained to you a prophet unto the nations. He ministered to the people, to the, to the majority of Judah about the coming captivity. He warned them, warned them, warned them, warned them, warned them, and they wouldn't listen. Then the minority uh, that are already captive in Babylon to encourage them. Jeremiah was encouraged, and I'm sure Ezekiel, some of you listen, he wrote to them and encouraged them. Remember, he ministered 40-some years, so I'm sure he had, you know, like you, you can go on sermon audio and listen to pastor. You go to sermon audio and listen to uh, uh, Mike, the classes here on audio. Uh, so over and over and over again, he, he encouraged, he warned, and depends what camp you're in and how you like them. <laughs> but I, again, he told Egypt to, would be defeated by Nebuchadnezzar, and it happened at the Battle of Carchemish, uh, that the Egyptians were defeated by uh, Nebuchadnezzar, or Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a general under his father. So when his father passed away, he became king. He said that the Philistines would be overrun and destroyed by the Egyptians, which happened. Uh, he said Moab would be conquered. Remember we, when we did some of Nahum and all them, how the Assyrians, they came in and, and destroyed Babylon, and the, the Babylonians also came in and destroyed Moab and Edom and all that, and took them captive and wiped them out. He said they were going to, Edom was going to become like Sodom and Gomorrah, destroyed. Damascus, the same thing. And now Damascus was the capital of Syria, or the Armenians. So he said that was going to, their capital was going to be destroyed. And Damascus had probably, you know, they still have a few people, but it is probably the longest city with somebody living in it, the oldest city with somebody living in it. That's what historians, I've read that historians say. Kedar and Hashar, these are up further north. He said they were going to be destroyed. Elam was going to be overrun by Nebuchadnezzar and should be reestablished during the millennium. Yeah, so we, we don't really, I mean, how many people know, ever read anything about Elam? But Jeremiah said it's going to be reestablished one day. It's going to come back. Now, who lives there right now? I didn't take time to look at that one, but he said, hey, it's going to come back. And Babylon, these prophecies concerned to Babylon. You had the Babylon of their day, and the Bible talks about the Babylon in Revelation. How Babylon will one day take rule again, or at least spiritually, and it'll rise to power. Some people think that maybe it's just a figure of speech for the Roman Catholic Church, or just the world system itself, or Maybe the Antichrist will name a city Babylon. I was talking to 
I can't remember who I was talking to. It was Matt or, uh, or maybe uh, uh, Dave and one of them. But anyway, somebody I was talking to, when Saddam Hussein, yeah, I think it was you I was talking to. When he, yeah, he was trying to portray himself as another Nebuchadnezzar. And if you look at some of the coins he had, and, and plus some of the posters and you know signs he put up in, 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 in uh, back there, and uh, he he put a picture of himself like a profile and Nebuchadnezzar side by side. So he was portraying him as the great king of the gold. Remember, you know, the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar was you were the head of gold. Saddam Hussein was trying to picture himself as the head of gold. Didn't last for a while, though, did it? <laughs> so there's another Babylon coming. He tried to restore it. You can go on to the web and find all these ruins of ancient Babylon. You see the Ishtar Gate. You ever see those, when you look at some of the ancient Middle East, you see this beautiful blue gate with all the lions on it. That's the Ashtar Gate in Babylon. And I think, I, I can't, I don't know for certain if they moved that to the England has that in the British Museum, or if they just made a replica. And, if it's, uh, and I can't remember now if it's still in Babylon, or if they just made a replica of Ishtar Gate in the British Museum. You know, went through and copied it and took pictures of it. Aaron? Yes? When God is going to bring back these certain countries, I mean, you know, whatever, like Edom and all that, are they, are they going to be fighting against the Jews, or is that what they're going to be doing at that point? Some, some of these countries will. Well, and some countries are actually going, it talks about he's going to save the remnant out of Egypt. So some of these are, you know, and the Bible talks about, you know, saving, you know, a person from every nation and tribe. You know, uh, God's going to have, you know, and, you know, we think of, you know, Soviet Russia, but you've got a lot of Christians there. We think of communist China. I mean, the underground church is growing like crazy there. So they got, you know, there's Christians all over the world. I mean, you know, you never know. I, I, a friend of mine, Sam Sadek, he's a, he's a uh, Egyptian Christian. He's in D.C. witnessing to the Arabs up there. And he said, when, as a, I can't remember if he said he was 10 or 11, but these two Muslim guys beat him because they knew he was a Christian. Back when he moved back in Egypt. And they said, he said he was in the hospital for several days. In Egypt, you could be a Christian, you, 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 but these Muslim men hated him because he was a Christian, and you know, 12, 11, 12 year old, he was vulnerable, so they just took him and beat him, and it's not being in the hospital. But he, he's ministering. Now, I know he's been sick lately, so I don't know how he's doing right now, but he's up in D.C. He does a lot of witnessing at coffee shops, because that's where they run into the other Arabs, and he talks with them, and he speaks the language, and uh, tries to bring him to Christ. He had pastors of church up there for a while. Sam Sadek, friend of mine. He said, you know, said historically he was captured by Darius and Persian in 539, so he overthrew Babylon uh, and defeated it with Belshazzar. Uh, remember, he had that dream and he was shaking it at ease and he saw somebody, man, oh man, it was healthy, it was partially, and, and Daniel told him, it means you're found in the balance, you're found in the uh, found wanting and in, in the balance and found wanting. So you're going to, but tonight, you're going to, Medes and the Persians are going to capture him. What they did, they dammed up the river above Babylon, the Euphrates River running through Babylon. They had bars going down, but it didn't go down all the way. Well, Cyrus dammed up the river, 
the river dried up and they went right under the city wall. And they've been doing banquets and parties because they thought, they, like, just like the Ninevites, oh, they can't touch us. Well, Cyrus took a playbook out of the uh, uh, Babylonians when they took Nineveh. So be careful. <laughs> that should have been some clues, right? Uh, so, and then the future Babylon is going to be destroyed by God in uh, Revelation that talks about 1818, the two different Babylons. And I've heard many preachers preach sermons about the two Babylons. You know, I know Dr. Wilmington, a writer of her book, he, he, I, I heard him preach at a Thomas Road about the two Babylons, and I'm sure there's other preachers talk about it. And so it's the ungodly nation that would weep over the destruction of ungodly nations would weep over the destruction of the Babylon, like, oh, Babylon, Babylon has fallen. And it, it seems like it's almost like commercial, like business, like somehow this one day is going to be a, a business center. And, oh, we lost all our money. We lost all our money. And so they're going to weep over the destruction of Babylon, probably because they don't have, and of course, what's the tribulation period going to be like? You know, you're not going to be so much concerned about your back or your money, I think, but food. <laughs> I mean, you know, all the all the people that are killed, all the... I mean, look how COVID, what COVID did to us. And that's just a taste of what it would be like during the tribulation period. And I even had, like I said, I even had a lost guy uh, at work. He was, he, he was saying Romans. I said, he was trying to talk about tribulation period. Because I've, I've been witnessing to him. I've actually had to go up to the beasties with me. And he heard preaching up there with Jonathan and stuff. But he started trying to say about... All this end time stuff said in Romans. I said Revelation. Yeah, 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 Revelation. So he knows a little bit about the Bible, but <laughs> you know, but you know, it's funny. You know, they they know some stuff, and they know. Okay, Chris, Barry, Matt, Tim, Chris, you know, Janice. So you know, you're not supposed to be doing that. You know, you're you're not supposed to. You know, that, that Christian doesn't supposed to live like that. They can live like that, but they know certain things that hey, Christians shouldn't do. Like you went out and told the world, hey, what, what things don't you think a Christian should do? They have their their standards. And it's usually above what their standards are. No, I can do that, but I don't claim to be a Christian type thing, you know. But you no, know, you're a Christian, you should be doing this. And I think that's why a lot of churches get hit up during Christmas time. You've got people coming around, oh I'm broke, I need money for my grant and all this. But I was a deacon at one church and I, ran, I would talk to a lot of people coming in, and I guess this one lady forgot that she had been at our church just a couple weeks before that. I said, you were here just a couple weeks ago. No, I wasn't. I said, and of course, I was, we were inside. I said, you, you have a blue truck, right? She got up and walked out. <laughs> and I was working the election down here at Peniel Baptist Church. I was working the election down there, you know, uh, you know a month or so later. And it was getting dark, so I don't think she recognized who I was. I said, you know where the pastor is? And it was the same lady. She must go around trying to hit these churches. And I, I was pretty sure he wasn't in that church because it was election night. But I said, he could be in there. I don't know. But uh, it was like, you know, they go some people. Now, there are people that need help. But I'm sure there's a lot of hucksters out there. When I was in New York City, I ran into it all the time. And one guy said, hey, I, could you cut you got about a dollar fifty for the Staten Island Ferry, and I just slapped him on the pocket, and you heard that money in there. I said, "What's that?" She wasn't happy with me. Well, after a while, after a while, you start learning some of this stuff, and it could it can make you uh, skeptical. 
but let's put it that way. It could make you skeptic, right? You see people just want oh, food. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And I remember one girl, she said, I'm just passing through. Well, I remember her the year before that doing that same thing. Unless you pass through Lynchburg a lot. But it's like, you want to say something sometimes, but you, you, want, to, you want to be kind, but you just like, but some people have no qualms about you know, sticking it to somebody else. Uh, so you have the week over Jerusalem. You have, like I said, the giving Darius who defeated it. Uh, both cities were depicted as gold cups filled with iniquity. Uh, so, you know, heaven's going to rejoice at their destruction. And after the destruction of Babylon, Israel would, uh, Israel would seek their God. And that's probably when Christ comes back and they see in whom they pierce. Uh, you have the 18 prophecy. I'm going to try to go through this quick because we don't have much time left. Talk about the fall of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple. Uh, King Jehoiakim was going to be die in Egypt. Nobody was going to lament Jehoiakim. Like, he was probably, just from my reading, I would say he's probably the second worst king after Manasseh. Uh, uh, the line, Jehoiakim's line was going to be cut off, and no, no, no king from him would sit on the throne. And it, when you read the, the lineage in the Gospels about Christ, uh, uh, Joseph, Joseph, he came from the line of Jehoiachin, right? So legally, he had the right to set upon the throne. Mary came from the line of Nathan, one of other David's sons. So that prophecy still stays fulfilled because, because Christ was an adopted son of Joseph, he had legal rights, even though he didn't, he didn't have the bloodline from Joseph. He had the legal right as an adopted son to sit upon the throne. And it's amazing how God's so precise on these little details. Uh, he said, you know, death. He talked about the death of some of the Jerusalem's false prophets. Uh, he talked about their capture and, and exile of a friend named Zerah. He talked about the failure of Egypt that they were going to lose to the Babylonians. Uh, again, he talked about how Egypt was going to be defeated in Carchemish. He talked about the Babylonians occupying Egypt, which they did. Seventy years captivity, the seventy years later restoration. And he said Babylon was going to be defeated. He talked about the capture of Zedekiah, where he, he was taken, he, he was caught when he tried to flee Jerusalem, and his sons were killed in front of him, and then they put out his eyes. And about how later that uh, Zedekiah was going to be treated kindly. And later in life, he was brought back, brought out of prison, and was gave, the Bible says he was given a portion of the king's food. So later, he was treated kindly. He never got to go back to Jerusalem, but he was taken out of prison and was able to eat at the king's palace at the table. And then said Israel was going to be uh, rebuilt. Again, he, who was it written to? It was a new covenant. He, he talked about the whole house of Israel was one day going to be saved. Uh, God was going to give Israel a new heart. They needed that. We all do. <laughs> uh, I'm thankful I, I didn't have to deal with the heart I had growing up. He said that. He showed how God was in control of everything. He said, you know, and after the tribulation period, during the millennial, that God gave us grace through the death of his son, the Christ and that Christ is our mediator. Again, we see Jeremiah's lament. 
a lamentation. It was a book of sadness. It was a, it was a funeral poem or song. It's called a dread a funeral song, a lament, where they would cry and write a song of a woe to him. Remember David sort of sang a lament when Saul died? See how are the mighty fallen? How, you know, you know Saul, was, Saul and Jonathan were you know, like eagles in their life. And it talked about uh, Jonathan with the bow, and he lamented the king. He didn't glorify and have you all. I'm glad Saul's gone. It showed his he had a new heart. Where most kings, if, if you know, if Christians are trying to kill me, most people wouldn't be too sad if, if something happened to you. But David wept over Saul and Jonathan. It just showed his true heart. And I think that helped consolidate the king. He wasn't happy that things went bad for Saul. He wished probably Saul would have repented. And again, the, the, you've got chapters 1 through 5, the, how they provoked the provocation against God, the punishment from God, the prophet of God, the people of God, and the prayer of God. That last one we'll look at. He said God was going to remember him, that they were going to repent, that they would finally give God recognition, and that they would have a renewal. <coughs> That's the final